Well, today we're going to be talking about core personal values. Core personal values. And we're going to visit again the, the scriptures that we were studying last week from Luke chapter 9. And we're going to see where everything that we do, everything that comes out from our thoughts and our behaviors come from some core personal values that we each have. Now we know as Jesus walked among the people of his day, teaching and preaching the gospel, it was obvious from his words that he desired for his truths to bring about changes, not only within the outward behaviors and actions of people, but even further to reach down deeply within each of their souls into their inmost beings and to bring about changes in their value systems, in their thinking processes. It seems that even the most devout of believers in that day, the concept of right and wrong, sin and righteousness, was based for the most part on their actual behaviors, on their deeds. And they spoke about their deeds a lot. They believed that as long as they only thought about sin and didn't actually do it, that they would still be all right with God. And then also, even if they did fail in their efforts to be and to do good, all they had to do was offer an acceptable sacrifice at the temple and all would be made right with God. And while that manner of belief might have some measure of rightness to it, we in some ways, you and I in some ways, like to believe those same things. While it may have some measure of rightness, it really does fall well short of what God's plan is for our souls. In the book of James, God warns us about that manner of behavior, about how if we allow sinful thoughts to linger within our minds, we have to be careful when we dwell on the matter. If we allow sinful thoughts to linger within our minds very long, those thoughts can quickly and easily develop into sin. I know that's so because that takes place within my own mind and my own heart. Listen to what God has to say about that. These are words that we've studied before, but listen to them again. This is James chapter 1. He tells us there in verse 14 that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Did you notice the steps leading to death? Each person is tempted when they're lured and enticed by their own desires. Their thinking becomes desires. And when those desires are conceived, then they give birth to sin. And maybe we haven't yet taken a step outwardly. But then again, we do. And when we do that, when that sin is fully grown, it gives forth death. Jesus knows us, folks. He knows us so very well. He knows that from that very first moment that we were formed there within our mother's womb, that our souls had a sin nature within them, a bent, a bent towards sinning. And because he knows that we have that nature within us, all of his teachings then and all through these scriptures 
All of his teaching and his guidance reaches towards redeeming those desires, those deeply held desires and tendencies, those core personal values that develop within that nature, that sinful nature of ours. Let me read these words here for us from Luke chapter 9. Again, we studied them last week, but I want us to study them again. He tells us there in verse 23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man? And by the way, each time that he mentions man, he's also talking about women. So what profit is it for a man or a woman? If they gain the whole world and yet themselves are destroyed or they're lost. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Now note carefully that these exhortations from the Lord Jesus, they're not focusing just on outward behaviors, but they're reaching deeper within us, addressing those desires that come out from that part of our being that these words call self. Self. In last week's message, we learned that our self is that part of our being, that part of our soul that resides deep within us And that's where desires and lusts of the flesh come out from. That part of our soul where the remnants of our old sin nature are still able to tempt and to influence our behaviors. And self is well demonstrated within these words that I read to us a moment ago from James chapter 1. Those words that tell us that sin has its beginning deep within the recesses of our minds and our emotions. There as those simple thoughts come to mind, our self is able then to raise its insidious head and begin to influence the direction that those simple thoughts take. Listen to those words again. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Now let me say all this again. We need to clearly understand and accept that we are born into this life with a basic bent, a bent towards sinful behavior. And it's fully entrenched within our souls. And if that bent towards sinning, if those sinful behaviors are left unchanged within our souls the desires of our heart for the things of this world and the things of our fleshly souls will always rise to the surface and sinful behaviors will always be their evidence. We wonder why someone does a particular thing. We say, why do they do that? This is why. So the Lord then says to us, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny that self within him. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man, he asks, if he gains the whole world, but yet himself is lost and he forfeits his own soul? Jesus is telling us 
that we have to be fully aware of the demands that the desires of our flesh, our self, can have upon us. And we need to be ready to do battle with those desires, he's telling us, and to deny them before they ever have the opportunity to rise to the surface and begin to control our behaviors. These instructions from the Lord Jesus remind me of an occasion some years ago when we in the leadership of French Camp Academy, we went through a season of evaluating our program there of our watch care and how we conducted our care over those young people that the Lord would bring there uh, into the ministry. Knowing that if we truly desired to raise those young people up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that we would need to begin first by carefully evaluating the deeply held core values and core beliefs within our own souls, individually and corporately. In other words, a teacher is going to teach what is within them. And they needed to evaluate what those core values were within them. House parents needed to evaluate what their core values were as they fathered and mothered these children in their dorms. And so the understanding was that unless we ourselves possess that same value system that was within the heart of the Lord Jesus, that we'd not be able to adequately convey His value system to these young people. Now, during that time of soul-searching, we considered and questioned ourselves about some of the most deeply held core values that influenced and guided our own personal motives and behaviors. And that went into our private lives, into our private homes, our families, also how we conducted ourselves within our work and within the overall ministry involvements with these young people. Understanding and accepting that all of those things are inseparably linked together. All of those attitudes and behaviors, they're all linked together, whether they be in our private thoughts or they be in our behaviors with the young people or with our fellow staff. We recognized and accepted that our personally held value systems worked their way into and became a guide for everything that we thought and said and did, again, both in our private lives and within all the ministry activities that we involved ourselves in. Our task was to solemnly evaluate those core values in order that God might be allowed to minister to us in them, changing the values and the systems that needed to be changed, but then also adding emphasis to those values that were already good. And again, we found as we studied through our value systems that all of our values were inseparably linked together. And that's very important to understand. Whether they be our long-term dreams and, or short-term or they were what we would call spiritual or secular. Who we are, what we think, how we act our hopes and our plans, our dreams, they all come, listen, they all come from this one central set of core beliefs and values within us. None of it can be separated out or compartmentalized. It's simply who we are. 
And as I studied through these thoughts, I was reminded of some of the highly publicized events of the Bill Clinton presidential years as he involved himself in so many various forms of immoral conduct. In an effort in those days to excuse and to explain away his immoral behavior, his political party came to his aid. Also, the very supportive news media came to his aid, and they rationalized that he should not be measured by his character, but rather he should be measured by his presidential skills and accomplishments. The rationale being that the two, the value systems that guided his character and his actual behavior were separate, and they were irrespective of each other. And interestingly, his excuse makers, which again was his political party and also most all of the news media, they coined this expression compartmentalization. Compartmentalization. Saying that Bill Clinton's character and his behavior could be compartmentalized from one another with one not influencing or affecting the other. But folks, listen, that rationale was severely flawed, and it proved out to be. It's so clear that those things are not separate. They are in every way part of the same. Our character and our core values influence and they guide and they direct all that we are, all that we say, all that we do, whether those matters be spiritual, as we might want to refer to them as being, or they be secular. Folks, listen, the Lord Jesus explained all of this and the error of their thinking so very well, just with this simple example of a fruit tree. He said, in Matthew chapter 7, he said, You will know them by their fruits. That grapes cannot be gathered from thorn bushes, can they? Nor figs from thistles. So every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And he says, So then you will know them by their fruits. Such a simple explanation, but so very true. And as I read through these words of Jesus and his question to us here about, for what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul? His words bring us directly to this consideration of our personal system of values and the probable consequence for our behaviors. And folks, we really do need to solemnly consider these options, these trade-offs that you and I will surely encounter and suffer if we pursue that wrong path of choices. And again, we need to understand and accept that the choices that we make have everything to do with that motivation that comes out from our personal system of values. So then, what is our, what is your, what is my system of values as it relates to those things and those activities and those possessions that this world has to offer. First thing that came to my mind is that most of us Christians would say, well, I agree with 1 John chapter 2 where the Lord says to us, love not this world and neither the things of this world, that the love of the Father is not in the things of this world. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of this world. 
And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We as Christians can say, yes, we do believe this, and we want to be this way. To never desire or lust after the things of this world. And sometimes we're able to do that. And sometimes we're able to even do as a song that we'll sing, where he leads me, I will follow. But folks, let me ask each of us, are we really that strong in our faith? I recall one of Jesus' disciples saying, I'll follow you anywhere. But they couldn't. Jesus said to them, foxes have holes at least to live in, but I have nothing. When we make choices to follow the Lord, we're going to encounter difficulties like that. Do we really believe that right now we could live out our daily life with a strong resolve to only do His righteousness? Folks, the answer to that question for most most of us is probably not. Probably not. As a matter of reality, of practice in our daily life, you and I really are often quite soft in our resolve. We really do like so many of the things that the world has to offer. We might not want to admit it, but we like so much of what the world has to offer. As we grow older, we like the idea of having a secure financial future. Familiar words. We want to have and to own all those secular enjoyments that the world and especially the wealthier people of this world have. And even though we're not ever actually able, perhaps, to have all those grander things, even so, still, beneath the surface of our outward value system, we still do want those things, even lust after them. And with such desire and such lust remaining within us, How are we supposed to deal with this verse where he says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. How much am I willing to deny myself the pleasures that I'm confronted with and tempted by each day? Some might argue, but what he's talking about here is just physical pleasures. That isn't so bad, is it? Isn't he speaking more of spiritual matters? Folks, listen, as I mentioned a moment ago, all such things, all such things are part of the same system of core values. They cannot be separated out from one another. They cannot be compartmentalized. Within our hearts, you and I might really desire and want to accept the lesser things that are provided to us. But we like those other provisions. The reality is we seldom ever deny ourselves of anything that we can have. As I was thinking through this, I was reminded of those stimulus checks that our government so handily passed out during the COVID epidemic. Folks, I didn't work to earn any of that. I did not need the money. Some people might have, but I didn't. But listen... I winked as I received those checks and went about spending that money. I could have refused to accept that. I could have sent those, that money back to the government and said, I don't deserve this. It's not mine. But I didn't. 
I didn't. And I would suspect that most of you did as I did. We spent the money. These words of Jesus here, they're piercing and they're confronting and they have all sorts of applications and they especially for us, they reach into our private lives and into our work lives, our business lives. And you and I ought to make application of what the Lord is saying here. He asks us again, what does it profit? You or me. If we gain the whole world, but we forfeit our own soul. A favorite expression that I've heard numerous times. Well, I work hard for my money and I earned every bit of it. But what are our core values as we work hard to earn that money? I think of all these different applications that might be out there for this application of core values. If a person is a merchant, how much above the cost of his merchandise does he charge his customers? Is it a fair price? Or is it simply what other merchants charge? That being whatever the market will bear. If a person is a craftsman, a technician, a repairman, how much does he or she charge for their labor? Is it a fair price? Or is it simply what other workers in the same market charge? Even investments, even our investments that we make in the stock market, we need to recognize that that is either a winner or a loser involvement. For me to gain in the stock market, most often someone else has to lose. I gain at another investor's expense. The ideal core value would be for each of us to work hard and to only charge what we need to charge to make a reasonable profit and living. And if everyone did that, everyone would gain. I've often thought about fundraising. If in those fundraising efforts, let's say perhaps there was a disaster in the area. We went through terrible tornado some years back. In fundraising benefits, why would it not be right for merchants and doctors and hospitals who would be ministering to those that lost their homes or they were hurt during the disaster giving away their services for free. I don't know of a situation where that has taken place. Generally, it is raising the money and then we pay them for their services. Something needs to be considered there by them. Their core personal values that the Lord is referring to here. And so this brings us back to us. What are the core values that influence and guide our daily thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors? Do we love ourselves and the things of this world so much that, we're, that we'll simply continue to do what we used to do? We don't necessarily want to sacrifice. But what do we do with these words of the Lord Jesus where he says, if anyone desires to come after me, he has to deny that part within his self daily. Are you and I, are we willing to take to heart the meaning behind these words? For what will it profit a man, a woman, if they gain the whole world, but in the end they forfeit their own soul? 
denying ourselves and becoming givers instead of takers. It's not an easy thing. It's contrary to our American success system of ideas. But folks, listen, it is truly the right and righteous thing to do. And it is exactly what God desires of you and me, to seek His righteousness in all of those thoughts that become behaviors. Here in our scripture text for today, Jesus is urging us on to love and to good works. He's encouraging us to take a serious look at our core system of values. And He's commanding us to deny the way of our old sinful self and to begin to adopt the godly values that He has as our common way of belief and behavior. And as we behave in that godly manner, our behavior then will also witness to and influence others to want to do the same and to want to receive the sweet salvation that the Lord Jesus offers to our souls. Think on these matters. Listen again and we'll close. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For what does it profit a man, a woman, if they gain the whole world, but yet forfeit their own soul? Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, we confess to you, as you well know our hearts, none of this is easy for us. Because we really do like the things of this world. We may say that we don't, but we do. And you know that we do. So Holy Spirit, we pray, fill our hearts and help us to deny self and to take up our cross daily and follow the Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.